Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. just arrived back in Europe after his successful trip to the Americas. He had spent eight months sailing around the Caribbean and had finally reached the Iberian Peninsula. His return had not gone exactly to plan, however. He had run into trouble with the Portuguese in the Azores and now had been forced to pull into Lisbon rather than Spain thanks to a storm. This could potentially be a problem. The Spanish and Portuguese were firm rivals and they had been engaged in a fierce competition to discover and exploit foreign lands. They had been at war in the not-too-distant past, and to make matters worse, Columbus had spent a good deal of time pitching his journey west to the Portuguese before giving up and taking it to Spain. Although he did not yet realise that he discovered a new continent, still believing he'd reached Asia, he was in possession of some exciting and top-secret knowledge. Now he was in the lion's den, unable to get his news back to his masters, and unsure of how his hosts would treat him. Having no choice but to stop in Lisbon, he sent a letter to the King Joao, asking his permission to stay. Unbeknownst to him, however, the king was not in the capital. Instead, he was met by Bartolomeu Diaz, the celebrity explorer who had a few years earlier rounded the South African Cape and established a route to Asia. Now I can't help but wish that I could somehow observe their conversation. Diaz had travelled to the ends of the known world, and his discoveries would change the world. Columbus had just matched his achievement, and would soon outshine him in fame. While their discussions may well have been guarded, due to the political situation in which they found themselves, it is tempting to think that there must have been some sort of mutual respect between the two, due to their similar achievements. Diaz took Columbus north of Lisbon to meet the Portuguese king. It appears that he was greeted warmly, and eventually Columbus recounted his discoveries. Now, of course, the two men knew each other personally, from Columbus's time trying to convince the King Joao to fund his expedition. It seems likely that they must have built a good personal relationship at this time. As well as meeting him in person, and treating him like a welcome guest, he made no attempt to impede Columbus in any way. This meeting could easily have gone very differently. Despite their possible friendship, there were serious political concerns at work. Columbus's discovery would have been worth an enormous amount, both politically and economically, and it was about to find its way into the hands of Portugal's greatest rivals, the Spanish monarchy. By a quirk of luck, Joao had received the news first, 
and had Columbus right in his clutches, it surely must have been tempting for him to change the course of events in some way, as the opportunity had fallen so neatly into his lap. He chose not to, however, apparently expressing only remorse that he had passed on bankrolling Columbus's expedition. The exact details of this meeting are lost to time. Perhaps Joao felt that he could not risk angering the Spanish. Who knows? Perhaps his interests lay elsewhere, but for whatever reason, he let Columbus return to Spain. In all, Columbus spent about a week in Portugal, before setting sail again for Palos de la Frontera in southern Spain. While being entertained by Joao, he sent a letter ahead to Ferdinand and Isabella, announcing his return. They were holding court in Barcelona, and Columbus hurried there to tell him of his expedition. This meeting can only be described as triumphant. It was attended by nobles and peasants alike, and there was a great procession in which Columbus showed off his captured natives and the exotic wildlife he had brought back with him. The festivities lasted for weeks, and there were many great banquets. He was awarded several honorary titles, as well as his own coat of arms. Alongside this, he was named governor of all the lands he had discovered, and given a blank check to mount a second expedition. Ferdinand and Isabella wanted to exploit his discoveries, and he had their full backing to do so. His stories of gold, spices and riches had helped convince them, although he must have known that these were perhaps a touch exaggerated. He had reached Spain in March 1493, and set back out for the Americas in September of the same year. There were fears that the Portuguese might launch their own expedition, and try to stake a claim to the newly discovered lands. To help head off such a move, a letter was sent to the Pope requesting that he recognise Spanish rights to all the territory on the western side of the Atlantic. By May the 3rd, they received their reply. The Pope had agreed to their request. Now this agreement was not to last long, and a year later the Treaty of Tordesillas was signed, something which we will cover in more detail in an upcoming episode. But for now, it seemed that the Spanish had secured rights to the Americas, as long as the Portuguese abided by the Pope's decree. The second expedition was a very different affair to the first. There's a trope in the music business about the second album being difficult. A new band achieves wild popularity thanks to the new sounds they've produced in their garage. As a result, they get the full backing of the record company, including a large budget. However, somehow, even with these new resources, living up to the success of the first effort proves difficult, and the results are disappointing. Well, this is sort of what happened here. With the support of the monarchy, Columbus assembled an enormous fleet with the aim of establishing a permanent base on the island of Hispaniola. He took with him over a thousand men on 17 different ships. While his previous small crew had consisted largely of adventurers and ex-criminals, the only people he could get to accompany him on his harebrained journey, this time he took people from all walks of life, as they would all be needed to establish a successful settlement. In the run-up to this trip, people were queuing for the chance to make their fortune abroad. Amongst the recruits were his brother Diego and Ponce de Leon, who would later become an important explorer in his own right. The Pinzon brothers from the first expedition were not on board, however, 
despite their previous service, and Martin had died within a month of reaching Spain. Columbus also brought a selection of animals and crop seeds in order to help sustain his colony. After overseeing the preparations, he set out at the head of his flotilla, back aboard the Santa Maria. A different route was chosen for this journey. Still believing that his discoveries were in Asia, he hoped that by venturing south, he might find the mainland. The weather was perfect, and after a short stop at the Canary Islands, they quickly crossed the Atlantic. The islands of the Caribbean, for the most part, curve upwards from South America, towards Florida. At the bottom, they follow a line from north to south, and then at the top, they turn and go from east to west. The larger islands can be found at the top of this axis. On his first journey, he had only followed the northern coasts of some of these larger islands before heading back to Spain. This time, his first sight of land was at Dominica, towards the south of the archipelago, and he spent the next few weeks island hopping his way north. He discovered Guadalupe, St. Kitts and Nevis, Antigua, Montserrat, and the Virgin Islands, before reaching Puerto Rico. Although they encountered some villages, the native Caribs fled at the sight of them, and they didn't get the chance to actually speak to anyone. Eventually, however, they managed to establish contact, and it seems that the people they met were Tainos, who had been captured by the Caribs. If you've listened to my earlier episodes on the pre-Hispanic Caribbean, you'll know more about these two groups of people. If you haven't already listened, I recommend you go back so you have a better idea what's going on. A short while later, a group of Caribs would show themselves, and a skirmish quickly ensued. One Spaniard would later die of wounds sustained in this fight. Having scouted out these islands, Columbus pressed on, as he was eager to reach Hispaniola. He wanted to see how the men he had left behind at La Navidad were doing, and to start building on the fort they had established there. As he started to draw closer, however, ominous signs started to appear. Several bodies were found on shore and one of these appeared to have a beard. It's not clear from the accounts, but I'm guessing that the bodies must have been fairly decayed, as it appears that it was not immediately obvious what race they belonged to. The beard, however, suggested a European origin, as the native people did not appear to be able to grow them. As they approached the harbour, they were greeted by a Taino canoe, which Columbus completely ignored as he rushed towards the settlement. They arrived at night and decided to wait until the morning before venturing on to land. They fired a cannon, however, to see if there was a responding shot from the island, but none came. Before nightfall, the canoe returned, and Columbus agreed to speak to the men on board. On the previous journey, he had established friendly relations with the local cacique, and it was thought that this would afford his men a level of protection. These men were part of that cacique's tribe, and they brought news of war. Two other tribes had attacked their own, and the Spanish had helped them in the fight. A few had died, they said, and their own leader was injured. But for the most part, the Spanish were okay. The next morning, however, when they went ashore, they found the settlement burned to the ground, and the locals admitted that all the Spaniards were dead. Only 11 bodies were found, 
and over the next few days Columbus was unsure who was responsible. His Tainos claimed that rival tribes had attacked, but there was also talk of resentment amongst the locals about the Spaniards taking several of their women as wives. He visited the cacique who lay wounded, but a Spanish surgeon expressed doubt about the seriousness of the wound. Had there been an intertribal war? Or was the whole story invented to cover up a massacre by this supposedly friendly tribe? Columbus couldn't say, but he chose to remain on good terms in order to help ensure his future success in the area. He was now faced with a choice, either rebuild La Navidad or choose a new place to build a colony. It seems that even before discovering the fate of La Navidad, he had toyed with the idea of moving it and he'd scouted out other possible locations en route. He decided to start a settlement about 60 miles east, which he named Isabella, after the Castilian queen. Again, rumours of gold had been a factor in his choice, and he sent out explorers into the surrounding area to see if they could find any. A small amount was found, but there was no trace of mine or seam. The colonists set to work building and cultivating the land. They found it much more fertile than what they were used to back in Spain, and despite the mishap of La Navidad, they optimistically threw themselves into their new lives. Their optimism was short-lived. Soon, the challenges of creating a viable colony from scratch started to become apparent. A huge amount of work was required, and supplies were limited. It would take time before they could become self-sustaining. The tropical climate didn't help, and of course there was the ever-present threat of disease. On top of this, the potential for the natives to turn hostile must have always weighed heavily on them. While there were hardened sailors and soldiers amongst their number, sections of the population were not used to such hardships. The priests and nobility, for example, would have found this life very different to their comfortable existences back home. A minor mutiny broke out, with the plotters attempting to seize several ships and sail back to Spain. Columbus managed to quickly put it down, and the ringleaders found their wish to return home fulfilled, except as prisoners rather than as free men. With order restored, Columbus set about exploring the interior of the island, and established a fort a short distance from Isabella. There was still no sign of gold, however, all the great Asian civilizations he was looking for. Columbus must have been starting to feel a degree of pressure now. He had regaled the Spanish with stories of gold and riches, and these were not so far forthcoming. The colonists had started to realise that perhaps he had oversold his discoveries, and if he didn't come up with some results soon, things might start to get difficult. Furthermore, the king and queen back home were under the impression that he had found a paradise which would enrich their kingdom immeasurably. At the very least, they thought he must be able to establish contact and trading relations with countries such as China and Japan. They had poured a significant amount of money and resources into his adventure, and they would be expecting a return on their investment. With all this in mind, he decided to put his brother in charge of the colony and set off by boat to explore. After skirting around the coast of Hispaniola, he decided to explore south and discovered Jamaica, but after seeing that its native people were prepared to resist his attempts to land, 
he moved back northwards to Cuba. He had already been to Cuba, but only along the north coast. This time he reached the south of the island. Here he found the locals friendly and determined that this was part of mainland Asia. He hoped to continue exploring, but soon he fell ill and was unable. Because of this, he decided to return to the settlement of Isabella. The situation he found there was mixed. On the one hand, he had the welcome surprise of finding another of his brothers had arrived, Bartolomeo. Bartolomeo had obtained permission from the Spanish monarchs to sail to the New World, and he had brought supplies with him. On the other hand, the grumbling of the colonists had not ceased, and the atmosphere was increasingly tense. He knew that those he had sent back earlier would be painting an unfavourable picture of the colony, and he wanted to buy himself more time. To do so, he sent over four ships with 500 captured Tainos on board, and a message that these were to be converted to Christianity back in the homeland. He also hinted that this might turn out to be a useful source of revenue for the Spanish crown. He then set about subduing the people of the island, and finally found some modest deposits of gold. With the colonists unwilling, or too ill, to make their colony economically successful, Columbus established a system of quasi-slave labour, and some of the locals were forced to help him work in the fields. Now we'll discuss this in later episodes, but for now I will say that this will set a precedent for Spanish-American relations, as will the deaths that ensued amongst the locals from disease such as smallpox. Last episode, Columbus had decreed that the Spanish were not to take advantage of the locals by accepting gold from them without giving in return. It seemed that to some extent he had relatively good intentions towards them. When push came to shove, however, as he started to feel the pressure, these scruples quickly faded. While plenty of Iberians did go to the Americas with nothing but bad intentions, and in fairness some did go to do good, and others went simply to live a slightly better life with no bad intentions involved. Many of these would take the same attitude as to Columbus. They did not necessarily harbour any ill will towards the indigenous people, but at the same time, a desire to treat them well was not strong enough to resist the pressures of life and their ambitions, or the temptation to improve their personal standing. By now, acutely aware that things were not going exactly to plan, and that Ferdinand and Isabella would be growing impatient, Columbus decided to return to Spain to report back to the monarchy. I have read conflicting accounts as to whether he was summoned back or chose to go himself, but either way, he knew he had some explaining to do. He travelled back with two ships, and each was packed full of people who had given up on their new lives and wanted to go back to Spain. On the 11th of June, 1496, he arrived in Cadiz and set off to the royal palace. This is where we will leave him for today. Next episode, we'll discover what the king and queen had to say. Until then, thanks for listening.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.